So time of the week again. It's TCP time, baby. 210. Episode 210, where I'm reminded of last week's episode, where I think I, I, I might have either started or ended the episode with, well, might not be anything to talk about this week, guys. And there's nothing to talk about, guys. So we're just going to talk about Attack on Titan again and how the episode Ooh, We did get some, some, some uh, positive feedback. I did catch up, by the way. Started. We st- did you? So yeah. you're up. You on the anime? You're actually up to date. Yes. Yeah. You're funny enough. You're actually you've read the manga up to a certain point. So you're actually ahead on the manga, but you're up yeah. to date on the anime. It's good. Mm, yep. Um. Wow. I just I still can't get used to the fact that it's a twenty twenty something minute show with two songs at the top and bottom end, which means realistically you only have like a twenty minute show at best. Yeah if not less, and it starts and ends instantly, yeah. and I can't get used to it, even after, I was going to say four seasons, but the fact that the seasons are split into parts, I don't even know anymore, so let's just say like seven seasons now. I don't know how many seasons we've had. You know what's but, what, what I absolutely hate about anime? When they, you know, like sometimes after the show, there's like a preview. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. keen for the preview. I want more content. Like, you motherfuckers already starved me by having a short-ass episode, like, t- saying do nothing. That. Nothing. So. do a preview at the end of our <laughs> podcast episodes. So, and then these motherfuckers, I'm like, oh, oh give me more of that preview. And I click into the preview, and it's like, like them being drawn into, in, like, you know, like, very simplified terms, like, huge heads, and going, like, about some cutesy shit, like screaming at each other that has nothing to do with the plot nobody cares get the fuck off give me a real preview give me more of that juice dude like well i appreciate the previews no longer spoil you for the next episode yes really i think i'm actually i'm actually okay with the previews being super vague and not showing you anything yeah i think i think you're you're, you've got you've got a pretty uh pretty bad take here and i think people are definitely gonna let you know in the comments down below that everybody should be doing um that uh everybody's favorite episode are the the filler beach arcs uh you know i think across the board ubiquitous across anime everybody's loving that slice of life has nothing to do with the plot beach episode where maybe there's a love interest who knows i'll leave it up to you shippers i i I think like not having any spoilers in the previews is good but then it also defeats the purpose of a preview at that point they should probably just not have a preview anymore Mm. What's also funny is they don't mind doing any spoilers in any of the songs, but they'll they'll put no spoilers in the previews, which I find is quite interesting. It's like you can spoil the whole season, the intro song, yeah. but you don't you okay. won't you won't even you don't have anything at all in the in the preview. I, I got I gotta ask you because like I will evaluate your character based on that answer. So choose careful carefully what you're about to say. It's a multiple choice. It's just a yes or no question. Okay, so it's multiple choice between A and B. I got you. Right. Okay. After listening yes. to, to it for the first time, do you skip the theme song? No. Uh, generally, yes. And the reason I say generally yes is because I think this is the first season where I haven't. I've watched the theme song twice now because there have only been two episodes, right? Mm, and I've, yes. I've watched the, the opening song twice. And this I one say, actually slaps. I should have I should have said I heard it, but yeah, I, I watched slash heard it twice. Yeah, okay. I do like this one. I actually do like but this one a lot. So, generally speaking, three times you will skip, right? Yes. Okay, you're now in the folk of good people. Well, 
Joe is trash and should yes, probably yes, find the yes, next fire pit to throw himself it's into. It's better slash worse than that. Not only do I skip after the first viewing of it, sometimes I don't even finish the first viewing. I get halfway through the opening song oh, the first time I'm like, no, it's not for me. Look at this pristine human you know? being. Ah, that's exactly <laughs> how it's supposed to be done. Yeah. Let them let them know, guys. Let them know they're missing out on that culture. Those those sweet sweet anime ops. When God made humans, he just when he made me, he's like, we're gonna make this person the perfect anime watcher. Like you I think killed. God made you listening to an anime opening, M motherfucker. You understand that your life is finite, right? Like you can't watch in like live infinity hours to watch anime openings. Life's way too short for that shit, bro. And some at some point, you're going to like you're just going to be at the kill screen, like above your hospital bed just like looking down on your stats and like there will be four days of watching anime openings and you will regret it motherfucker nope wow. zero zero regret stats <laughs> unreal four days your life spit <laughs> oh, i man. hope there's a stat screen when we die wherever we go i hope i get already like, a improvement of overwatch <laughs> <laughs> you know jeff kaplan is not the developer <laughs> of life then Ironically, not having the scoreboard is like, oh yeah, you don't have the scoreboards, you don't have this kind of toxicity in game. But then ironically, I feel like we get more toxicity because we don't have a scoreboard. Mm -hmm. So people randomly blame each other instead of like factually blaming each other. Yeah. If you're gonna be, if you're gonna blame each other on your own team. You might as well do it factually. But uh, we can't even we can't do that because we, all <laughs> we have to kind of guess. I'm like, well, I think this. I think I think the. The Moira on our team is sucking dick right now, so we're just, mm. just going to blame that person, even though I don't actually know, but we'll just do it anyway, because you're going to fuck Moira. Imagine, like, waking up next to your partner in the afterlife, and they, everyone has, like, their scoreboards above their heads, and it's like, you're looking at yours, and you're looking at your pa lifelong partners, and it's like, wait, why do you have kills? What, motherfucker? I have hobbies. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought you were going to go body count. I thought you were going to be like, you know, oh, people shit. you've had sex with. Oh, and it's just shit. like, excuse uh, people me. You've actually oh, yeah, people yeah. you've actually killed. <laughs> you, you told me you were the only one. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh, fucking hell. This motherfucker's got a whole laundry list of people. 37, really? I mean, I didn't count after a certain time. <laughs> yeah, right. I thought we weren't counting blowjobs. Like, whoa, shit. Well, my bad. <laughs> I misread the rules. Apparently in Germany, it's eight. Eight is the average. Oh. Why I'm is there an average? You would have averages. People kill? Are we still going to talk about killing or are we talking about something else? You <laughs> would have averages. What the fuck, man? Dude, <laughs> these fucking German jokes. Like, <laughs> yes. Yes, Avril. The average German kills eight people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh... It's like we're watching Invincible. It. What's that? Uh, what's that planet Omni Man's from again? Mm. Uh, what? No, he's Invinci from. Oh, does it start with a V? He's from uh, Viltrum. That's right. Yeah. Germany oh, is just Viltrum. You know, you. Yeah. You, you, you. Everybody kills eight people each, and then you just what's left is like, okay, now you know that's 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 your that's your empire or whatever. Nice. Anyway. So, um, all the manga readers know it's coming up. Oh, it's going to get good, guys. Next episode is going to be good. But I can, but I, I can already tell you next episode is going to end on another really obnoxious mm -hmm. cliffhanger. Because we've had... I feel like every episode ends on, on, on an obnoxious uh, cliffhanger. The next episode's ending will be the most obnoxious cliffhanger of them all. It'll be the worst. 
the thing. It'll be the type of cliffhanger that you that you sit there for about a minute or two afterwards, still watching. At this point, the ending song's finished, the preview's finished, you're still there, just looking at this blank, crunchy roll screen, you're like, fuck it, I'm reading the manga. Watch. That's what yeah. you're going to feel. That's what you're going to feel after how obnoxious the next cliffhanger is going to be. Mm. Now, the thing no is, it's going to be obnoxious. My problem is, I read that part already. I'm pretty sure I can't remember what, what the cliffhanger was. Fuck. I know what, I mean, I'll tell you You can't, you can't not you, know. But- I'll I'll tell you after to remind you, but you know, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, oh. I'll I'll have mercy on the souls of everyone who's not up to that. Yeah, but um, yeah, it it will be, it's it will be as obnoxious as was there a cliffhanger for the the basement when they finally enter the basement? I there was, think wasn't so. There. I think I think it was a season end. It, yeah. Okay. I, think that was I mean, that season. is the biggest cock block. No, 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 no. The season end was actually perfect. Was there it? was not. A, I remember the season end. The season end of season three. They go to the basement, and then not only do they discover what the fuck's happening, but then they also this game us there. Then you actually get the. Do I? Is it like a? a is it a preview? I don't know if I can call it a preview. But you actually get to see quite a lot more of mm-hmm. what the expanded world right. of Attack on Titan is to not reveal too much to people that are not up to that, even though really you've had a lot of time to get up to that. Yeah. Um, so I would say that was like one of the most gracefully done endings to a season because they could have been complete dicks mm. and just like cliffhangered mm. the fuck out of you. And that would have been... <laughs> at that point, I think more people would have just abandoned the show and just gone to the manga. Right. But yeah, um, yeah they actually handled that gracefully. This... This is not obviously not a season ender yet, but this episode's cliffhanger is going to be bullshit. So, um, tuck in, tuck in. Because after this, after this next episode, it's going to be the longest fucking week of your life. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it was a pretty long week to get to where we are now, because um, even though I said there wasn't going to be any news this past week, there almost wasn't. Yeah. Until like twenty hours ago or something like that, when. I mean, so they waited for Crouch, right? They waited for Platcha to be over yeah, yeah. and for Crouch yeah. to have something to talk about. How it always is. Yeah. How it always is. Shout out to Phil. So without further ado, let's get into the episode 210, everybody. Brought to you, as always, by our lovely patrons. Battle Crab, Refine Bean, Bronze Bob, Buhau, Chare, Prof. Picasso, Chris R34444, Kasha67, Lolshin, Paul Chop, Sammy, Rick Zane, Sir Gertha Lot, Bellamouth Smooth Lutz, and Your Misery. 210, episode 2.10, that's what version we are on, is um, talking about this guy right here. This is, uh, what do I have in here? Version 1 point something. We're going way back, you know. This is version 1.01. The OG that started it all. Is now the, I'd say, proud owner of ABK for... A record deal, sixty-eight point seven billion, and I like I like to be accurate about that because I've seen too many figures thrown around. You know, I've seen mm. somebody say a lot of pe- a lot of publications said seventy billion. Some have just said sixty-nine. It's a good chance to be funny, you know. Some have said sixty-eight. Uh, I think I think it's not hard to just say sixty-eight point seven. Yeah, you know, I think once you get to seventy, it's just like. Uh, we're kind of we're kind of being a little bit liberal with how we're rounding here because that's that's a whole another one point three billion you just lopped on top. 
and that's uh you know once you get into the b's once you see a big capital b that's a lot of money so uh, you just added 1.3 extra billion to the sale when it's not worth mm. that much but 16.7 is like the biggest microsoft acquisition ever and i think the biggest microsoft acquisition in all of gaming ever as well it is an un- unreal acquisition actually it's it's so surprising that i don't even think really well certainly none of the regular employees of abk knew because they all i think they all knew at the same time as, as the news dropping um yeah. if you're if you're an executive abk you probably didn't know but everyone else all the regulars everyone below the c-suite probably wouldn't have known until yeah. the exact time that the news dropped and then the internal email went out yeah i mean so, they got hit with an esports john john specter even looked pretty surprised on twitter right yeah, I don't think he would have known either. They yep. wouldn't have told him. Yep. There's no reason to. Yep. Yeah. So yes. Phil Spencer. Phil Spencer you, about to be your boss. Yeah. Hopefully we get a you know a Yule log with uh, Mr. Spencer. Hopefully you know we uh, we get to ingratiate ourselves with our new uh, macro hard overlords. I mean, you you talk about sixty seven whatever the figure was a lot of fucking money billion dollars right? I just got the um, macro hard reference by the way lovely lovely thank you um like i i don't think people realize and i certainly didn't um god rest his soul uh until Wreckful in in one of i think his most iconic videos kind of pointed it out uh he he has a beautiful video if you go on uh youtube and you look up Wreckful billion yeah uh, i think it's one of the first like uh videos that pops up where he kind of breaks down in an in increments of a hundred thousand dollars what a billion dollars actually looks like now look at that 67 times. Now again, just to add a little bit more context to like just how big this was, right? Disney bought Marvel for 4 billion. I Facebook think, well, bought only Instagram. Four. Yeah, I mean, yes. no, no, no. you got to think about ago. this differently. Yes. Like Yes, this is this isn't in this isn't like the Marvel that we know now. Yeah. What it grew into. That's still, ago, right? Yeah. This is ages ago, to be fair. Yeah. Uh Instagram 1 billion. Twitch, which I think is hilarious in retrospect, 970 million, not even. No a way. Amazon. Didn't, and that was big. I remember back in the day, I was like, <gasps> do you know that Twitch nearly got bought out for a billion? Holy crap. Nearly yeah. a billion. That was big back in the day because I think gaming was still Twitch as well. It was just on the up and up, you know? Yeah. yeah. Just, just to kind of like, again, we're an esports podcast, but like just to just to like contextualize this for the 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 average listener. This is not just a big gaming deal. This isn't even just a big tech deal. This is just one of the largest. I, I, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is one of the largest acquisitions that we've seen in recent memory. 60, what was it? 67.8 billion dollars. 68.7. Yep. Like that's, that's absurd money. Yeah. That's nuts. I think, based on the evaluation, think, based on uh, those companies are stock traded, so you wouldn't include wealth. And evaluating wealth as a pure gaming company is probably also not correct. But um, I think it is. It's like the fifth biggest like gaming company, even though the um, the definition there is definitely like that. Microsoft would be one, right? Which makes sense, definitely. But um, 
yeah, it's it, just in major size. There's not many uh, bigger studios or not even studios, but like publishers attached to that. Um, and I mean, the premium on that is pretty, also pretty sweet. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I think uh, closing share price the day before it happened was 65 a pop. Um, so major, like if you had Activision Blizzard stock, you probably made pretty pen- a pretty penny uh, over last night. Um, so yeah, it's uh, also... Damn it, I should have invested. <clears throat> so sure, right. I should have listened to Samito. Ah, or it wasn't Samito. I'm sorry. It was Frito, yeah. Frito. Yeah. Um, I think... God, Frito knew he knew. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, sorry. Continue. I think, for instance, um, like there were... You could probably consider that something like this, like these moves, not that particular move, but was going to happen in the next couple of years just because, like, the importance apparently for tech companies to rush to the metaverse and how um, important gaming companies are in that uh, development and the draw of them and the technology that they bring with them and the expertise and uh, a major acquisition there was to be highly likely just like Mm. in that rush Um, I think it could have also theoretically been another major player like Facebook for instance Sure. But yeah, mm-hmm. Microsoft flanking in at that premium price, like you're just likely you know, to secure. What's funny about all this is Microsoft also acquired um, Zenimax Media, who parent company that Bethesda. Yeah, yeah, right. So Microsoft acquired Zenimax Media two years ago in 2020, or like less than that, because we're only in one. We're only one month, uh, half a month into 2021. So yeah. 2022, uh, rather. So you could say it's like a year and a half even. Anyway, the point is, it wasn't that long ago that they just got Zenimax Media, and that was only for $8.1 billion, which is still a lot of money, but compared to $68.7, yeah. is you, you haven't even gotten past the 60 part. <laughs> like, there's still $600 million plus the $60 billion after that. You haven't even put a dent into the 60 yet. Um, it's just wild, and that, that was... Zenimax Media is not, to me, is not a small company because no. they have, they have Bethesda in software. Uh, well, actually, that, that's pretty much the flagships. After that, it's not ridiculous, but still, yeah. I I don't look at Zenimax and think, yeah, it's some tiny thing. Yeah, Bethesda small. Bethesda is not small. Bethesda has a lot going for them, right? So mm. even that acquisition doesn't even compare. I mean, I'm taking a look at a list of most expensive video game acquisitions. I was taking a look at the wrong list previously. I'm like, just a list of all acquisitions. I'm like, oh, did you know Heinz acquired Kraft for $109 billion? Mm. You know, that's pretty big. That is actually pretty huge. Yeah. But um, it's totally different. Um, yeah. Different, uh, you know, industry and all that kind of stuff. And what Verizon apparently got Vodafone for 144 But again, this is just different. So sticking on to gaming here. Before Microsoft taking Activision Blizzard, it was Take Two getting Zinger for twelve point seven billion was I think the largest acquisition. That was also this year at some point. Man, it's only been nineteen or so days in the year. They've already we've already had uh, two major acquisitions. Tencent got Supercell eighty one point four percent twenty sixteen for nine point two inflation adjusted um, billion. And to put things really into perspective. And context, this was a long time ago, but we all know how big Riot Games is now. 
Tencent yeah. got a 93% stake in Riot Games in 2011. So over 10 years ago now, or 400 million. Which, yeah. looking at Bad where guys. Riot is now, is like, yo, that's a steal. Yeah. But of course, 10 years ago, Riot was still an up-and-coming <clears throat> up company, and not where it is now. But right, 400 million is what Tencent paid for a 93% stake in Riot. And they bought the seven remaining 7% in 2015 for an undisclosed price, but it wouldn't have been... I mean, it would have been a good number, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been breaking the bank. It would be, you know, somewhere within the realm of 400 again, or even, well, less than that, actually. You know, it, this, this, that deal wouldn't have even touched 1 billion. So we're talking about a, a really an unprecedented acquisition in the gaming tech space here with Microsoft's just swooping up Activision Blizzard. It's, it's unreal, actually. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's 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 nuts. Uh, I don't know if this is being put up on screen, but uh, our producer Eric has listed the 2020s top M and A deals worldwide by value in Microsoft, mm. and Activision's deal is third at 68.7. Ahead of them is uh, companies that I couldn't tell you what they do or where they exist, and it's just stupid money. Like this is it looks nuts. like. Above them, it looks like companies acquiring themselves. It's Unilever yeah. acquiring Unilever and BHP Group acquiring BHP Groups. Like, I don't know anything about these companies, but it no. looks like that meme of Obama giving himself a medal. Thanks, Obama. That's <laughs> what that looks like, but I don't know. I don't know. Discovery Inc. got AT&T. Everyone knows AT&T if you're American, so actually mm -hmm. only the Americans know. Um, Telecommunications. That was worth 40, 43 billion. This is it's it's hard to like understand the scope and it's also hard to like know what this means for anything like this is nuts. It probably won't mean anything anytime soon, but like no. this is crazy. Yes. But it doesn't feel crazy. <laughs> oh, to put it to put it um into context for what it does mean. So we kind of if we'd run down all the facts so far, let's actually do a quick fact rundown. Sure. And then we'll get into some other details here. Um, but one of the things to, to take into account is that the deal is obviously not anywhere near completion. Right. And it won't be until like a full year from now until we get to what the f end of the fiscal year for Microsoft in June 2023 before we actually see a conclusion to this. And they still have to go through all the legal stuff, um, all the antitrust stuff and SEC and all that to mm. make sure that this is all legal before they can even make the acquisition happen um so it's not a done deal by any account and i mean the other thing to really take into account and you know we'll, we'll go over each of these things individually um is that bobby Kodak apparently will be stepping away from abk once it's all said and done once the deal is complete at uh, june 2023 which is the projected timeline for this and then phil spencer will be the the person that ABK reports to as the CEO of Xbox and Microsoft Gaming. It's still just so... Like, I remember waking up and reading this. Hmm. Like, today. I woke up and, like, saw I had 60 messages just from our Discord chat alone, let alone other people, like, outside of esports being like, Hey, did you see that Microsoft bought Blizzard? 
that's crazy. Yeah. Like, this was whiplash, bro. Whiplash. Yeah. And of course, like, the implications of that. It's it's really hard to judge, but like of course, I mean the, the immediate connection, especially for all of us who are closely tied to Blizzard uh, ecosystems. There's mm. there's definitely a lot of uncertainty there now, right? It's unsure yeah. if good type of situation. Um, there are certainly aspects that are for sure going to be good. Oh. Um, so for one, it's like these acquisitions, from my understanding, always tend to go down with a cleaning house type of situation of like the upper executives who, I mean, let's be honest, were the most responsible for whatever shit went down at uh, that company for the uh, last more than a decade, right? Mm. Um, so I guess like within the next two or three years, we can uh, expect a majority of those responsible for that to be uh, gone from the company that once again should... <clears throat> I mean, let's be honest, it will probably reinvigorate right, in interest of sponsors that we might have lost. Uh, that will definitely also, I mean, okay, naming that as the first <laughs> aspect is probably insensitive. Of course, it will help workers be more respected first and foremost. Um, and maybe the goal of being one of the most inclusive companies will actually come true um, be because of that. But, yeah, I think in general, I guess uh, like I'm feeling skeptically optimistic at the moment. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you, what you guys, like, did, did you go through the f full, full seven stages of suffering with that news and just, like, second-guessing? Suffering. I think, oh. it's, I think it's overall good. I look at this, I'm like, well, this, this has got to be good, right? Like, I, I just, I, I looked at this, I'm like, I can't see this being bad. Unless Phil Spencer is somehow worse than Bobby Kotick, uh, or Microsoft right. somehow just force a bunch of BS onto the ABK products, which is negative. But I feel like that would, I mean, it could be bad in the short term. Right? I actually don't think anything happens in the short term. Is the thing? Yeah, that's like, nothing. Bad. <laughs> in the next two years, what is what I mean would define short term? Because I, I look at the next two years as no impact really. I mean, they've even stated that. ABK will still, you know, uh, but, work autonomously until the deal is at least complete. Yes, but and then beyond that, the the practice of getting that deal ready will be extra work required for a lot of different cogs in the machine, slowing down processes the further. Business side, maybe on the business side, I, I from from the development side, I think they're pretty pretty uh, parallel. They just do their own thing, and I don't I don't think they're really affected. I I, I don't think. Xbox doesn't come down well, with anything huge. You're not going to straight away. You're not going to start getting any major changes on the way, right? With that, yeah, of course. For example, like if based on that timeline, let's just say it's June 2023 because that's what that's right. the date being put on put on record mm -hmm. currently. Uh, Overwatch 2 is expected to be released by then. I mean, God forbid it gets delayed further. I mean, you never know, really, but it's. <laughs> It's supposed to be released well and truly, definitely before June 2023. It's got to mm -hmm. be, right? So that means there's, there's zero, the Xbox have zero shows. impact coming in. <laughs> they, they really shouldn't have any impact coming in at all. Um, and they also mentioned that they weren't going to, well, they, they mentioned that 
they didn't want to change the platform relationships that Blizzard currently have. I'll just talk to speak to the Blizzard side because I don't know about COD, but uh, maybe it, maybe it's actually all of ABK um, that they you know that they would respect that, and which basically means that Overwatch Two could come out in PlayStation and Switch and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that maybe Call of Duty get to stay on PlayStation as well, because that was the other big question. Is like, well, does that mean all these products now go full Xbox exclusive? Mm. Um, and, and you know, when we were sort of talking about this before with with Eric as well, it's like, well, I mean, that would actually complicate the whole antitrust thing. Um, and one of the one of the factors within the antitrust to get past that to for this deal to be legal is that you can't just take all these ABK games and make them Xbox exclusives, because that would breach the antitrust potentially as one of the barriers yep it's it's just so wide wide reaching too like they have their 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 fingers in everything microsoft is is just so big it's that's, not so, that's they don't a have problem. A, they don't have a they don't have a private army yet i, I feel like it, it, they, they might not need a, one I think they should they should get into space exploration and they should get a private army. So when they compete with SpaceX and they get to Mars, mm. well, guess what, bitches? We have an army and you don't. True. So they get to they get to uh, with the military now colonize Mars militaristically. So and take that, Elon. What you gonna do? <laughs> I mean, to to kind of answer Giska's question, I mean, I didn't know what to think to be honest. Like. a giant company trades hands like i i agree with the sentiment that like yeah it there was a lot of like bad seeds at the top of the table for activism blizzard that you know yes i'm glad that are being shuffled out but i don't know how this affects things in the future i don't know what kind of vision you know our our new overlords you know will will bring upon i i could not tell you i don't know how to feel because it's still because it's still a mega corporation you have to yeah you have to hope that they're better than the, the previous mega corporation overlords. And it does feel like a lot of the C-suite, or really the entire C-suite for ABK was just Bobby and friends, right? It's mm. just a bunch of his mates. It's just a bunch of his his buddies from the Republican Party and wherever he, he gets them from. Um, some of the Bush cabinet people. Like, I don't know why he that those were the people that he decided would he'd bring onto ABK, but whatever. I mean... <laughs> Because they were so tied to Bobby that if Bobby goes, maybe Microsoft do, do just clean house in the C suite and just yeah. redo that. That would that you'd hope that it should be good, but again, it's just hard to know. Well, is it do you are we just out of the frying pan into the fire at that stage? Because you could very easily get a Bobby two point very right. easily. You could also very easily just replace everybody in that C suite with worse people. Uh, you mm-hmm. it's, hard, it's so difficult to tell. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I I, th- I think it's. I think one safe assumption is that, you know, Xbox Game Pass or Game Pass for PC is definitely going to be uh, thrusted down our gullets for the next uh, long while. Uh, if you're into uh, anything Activision Blizzard related, um, for, I mean, for better or worse, you can still just buy the game. No, agreed. But, you know, it's uh, it's definitely going to be popping up in your feeds. It's definitely going to be, you know, maybe on the Blizzard launcher. You know, to be it's, fair. It's, it's gonna be all over the, game the place. Pass is a great initiative. I it think is. I've, I've, it is I a good. Every, it is a good I thing. I think everybody, everybody unanimously agrees that it's a great thing. It's, it's like fantastic. a really good. 
it's not predatory the deal is fantastic mm-hmm. um what i sound like a spokesperson right now but what you i <laughs> here's how you know i'm not a spokesperson i'm not actually subscribed to game pass um but i know i know other people think it's good i personally not subscribed because i actually don't know i actually don't maybe i should but i don't know I, i'm not a fan of you uh, here's here's why i'm not subscribed i did trial once mm-hmm. and i'm not a fan of how their client works and all the ui and and where I, I couldn't even here's here's an example. I couldn't find the files and the data for the games to even like mm. I don't know mess with my files. I don't know. Like mm. I couldn't like where, where where the shit is where where is my stuff stored? It's just so weird. Like I I just so desperately want it to be more like Steam. Yeah. But I feel like every client I touch, I just desperately want it to be more like Steam. At least the Battle.net client, I'm like, okay, I get to choose where my shit is installed. I could you know, do my stuff with it. It's fine. I don't know. I, I just wasn't a fan of the Game Pass client, but I still think it's a good deal. It's from a value perspective, a great deal. Oh, it's so I don't, insane. I don't yeah, mind yeah. if they shove it in my face. Uh, yeah. One day, maybe I'll get it. Who knows? What I will say is, like, when we're on the topic of, like, is this good, is this bad? I've seen a bunch of, like, stupid takes uh, communicating certainty, which <laughs> definitely... <laughs> Jesus That's fucking Christ, you don't understand real life, guys. Hang them out to dry. Like, um, so I think one thing that I also noticed was even people that do know have very wide variety of uh, opinions uh, about what might be coming topical. So, for instance, Jason Schreier said, like, if he wasn't on vacation, he'd be calling up uh, his lawyer friends asking if there's any... uh, Anyway, this deal doesn't 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 go through, right? Um, or because of legal implications of just like <laughs> the, the the size of that deal, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, and others saying that's probably not going to be an issue, right? Um, sure. so there are definitely legitimate discussions to be had. Um, I feel like the tea leaf reading on what it could imply for esports is completely misplaced. Like none of the the basically everything that you guys want to sell me as a signal has been nothing but noise. Like, well, e- Halo esports gets investment, motherfucker. That shit says nothing. It actually says absolutely nothing towards macro- uh, Microsoft's willingness to invest into uh, Blizzard esports further on. Like, it, it, because the investment in HTS is. Honestly, kind of like minimal. nobody wakes up in the morning, just goes like, oh, "Esports pretty good," and I unconditionally will invest into every single thing that has esports label attached to it. Like it's it's such an infantile idea of like believing in things. It's it is about the uh, measurement of the deal. And let's be honest, it doesn't look like that the leaks that Activision Blizzard has right now aren't the sweet are the sweetest around that. Let's not forget that a lot of the uh, the deals made there were based on pretty close p- personal relationships that Bobby Kotick specifically had, and a new owner might or might not care about them this, as deeply. I I, sure. I assume that for some companies it makes sense not to piss off uh, billionaires. Even though I will say, how pissed off would you be about l- losing like twenty million as a um as someone? I mean, as you would be you you. you Okay, this is, uh, once again, I'm also oversimplifying. (laughs) 
so I don't <laughs> want to make the same mistake. But um, that in itself is weird. Then, man. So the stock price of Activision mm -hmm. jumped because we sold at $95 uh, a, a, a share, right? Mm -hmm. Where does that money go? It doesn't... Uh, beyond, be, Every single dollar. beyond the implication of like the company having like a better image, being able to attract more sponsors, um, theoretically with a higher valuation, uh, having a higher confidence interval attached to them. But motherfucker, not a single dime is going through, through uh, the operational systems within uh, Activision Blizzard because they didn't actually uh, sell their sh stock. Where, where do you think the stock was bought from? Like, where do you think this money is now going? It isn't Activision Blizzard, bro. Someone owned that shit. They were paid out handsomely, shareholders, and that now the majority shares with Microsoft and that's the transfer of uh, that, that we're speaking of. Where's the money that now is accessible to esports and it's trickling down? The fuck are you talking about? So that's bu so, bullshit. Before me, we... Me... Go ahead. Before we, like, have definitive statements, I'm not sure if mm -hmm. there is even a plan right now, or there could be, based yeah. on not having the absolute most intricate numbers on, uh, of the... Um, the specifics of the esports scene and whatnot. Let's not say, like, let's not forget that it's this is currently a transitional period for, especially Overwatch, but also the problems with CDL and whatnot. Like it's, um, <laughs> it's it's just I don't know. Beware of bad takes because my God, man, like some just like it's it, the option to shut the fuck up is definitely like. I, I probably should take my own advice because I don't nearly know enough. I just know what is obvious bullshit, right? Like that, what can't, it can't be based on. Yeah. Stop like spreading noise. It's so annoying. Can I, can I echo uh, an interesting point to the two of you to kind of gauge your takes on this? Um, fish sticks. Uh, yeah, we, who, we're getting off uh, the okay. pretty early. Wow, Ben, we are, that we read are. was also oh, unreal. Okay, keep, keep going. Okay, I, 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 you know, I, I view this with some nostalgia because I grew up, you know, my, my esports culture came through the MLG circuit. But in uh, Fishtick's thread on the, you know, implications of um, Microsoft's purchase of Activision Blizzard, um, he mentioned that, you know, because COD, Overwatch and Halo now are kind of living under the, you know, umbrella that is Microsoft. Um, does this open up? a uh mlg style okay. like circus of you know esports this this kind of celebration of esports uh under circus you know of e you know you got your, your you got you got some stops you got the old old spice you got some stride gum shout outs to the you know the real ones who remember all that you know the, the hot pocket flavor yeah. grenades you know yeah. all that good shit right like is that something you know a you think would be successful and b is that something you would like to see Everything under one roof and like, yeah, multi game like the World Cup events. Oh, I can't wait to wear some clown makeup to be part of the circus. <laughs> I don't know, man. Let's, 
I feel Let's like we've outgrown that. Together. Okay. We should have outgrown that. Like it. It's only. Go on. We should have outgrown that. That like I agree. Imagine like okay, so we we have sixteen esports under one company. We're all hosting it in one arena, while the LPL finals are like already ten x in comparison. Like that's mm. not a dream. That's like a life support strategy. It's mm. fine that the people that like created that dream 15 years ago still think this is dope and yes they like these guys brought esports a long way that n can't be the scope of our growth potential right like mm. we should be further than that and we aren't in these leagues to be perfectly fair i don't think we're close and that one is more realistic but to to frame this as a dream is a weird take for me i don't know I, yeah, I think there's a lot of nostalgia at play there, but mm. um, I don't think that having a big circus of esports is necessarily the best thing for each of those esports. I, I think they operate on different levels with potentially different goals. I mean, the end goal might all be the same. They all just want to be successful, get new viewership, make money, blah, 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 and be self-sustainable. Yeah, but to get there, the pathway could be different. Like, I already think that you know for, for big franchises assuming it all stays the way it is so you know jury's out on that but we'll just assume it is staying the way it is mm. cdl and owl uh they're big franchise esports that need to be doing their own thing like this is not you don't have a big fucking circus for the nfl and the nba and yeah whatever else together is just, and they all have the clown makeup. It just doesn't make sense, man. It's just not what it is. Like you have different, your separate sports in their own, doing their own things, their own strategies, you know, and that's what I think is most beneficial for those esports. I think like, it sounds fun to have this giant conglomerate of esports all under one roof and to do some massive event for it. But I mean, yes, cause right. You could do that and then watch over the other side of the fence where, one region of a single esport, the big, your biggest competitor, as far as esports goes in League of Legends, one region there is just like does ten times better than your entire conglomerate does as a, as a collective. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's the best strategy to be lopping it all together. That is, in, in one sense, sounds cool, but I think it's a weak move to do. It's very weak. Whereas a strong thing to do to reject strength and to actually realize strength is to address what is the actual needs of these specific esports and how do you achieve its specific goals agree i think the the best way that uh microsoft can project strength into these communities is to bring back uh, here's the storm esports and introduce master chief as its new uh addition the thing is oh, like, we, we shouldn't we shouldn't go that far joe i mean that's, that's <laughs> now that's, that's strength that's very hopeful that's very hopeful uh i mean that's like I don't even. I I don't. I was gonna make a crude reference, but I'm like, I'm not even gonna go there. But you know, there's 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 some ways you can. I can, dude. I can just. I can. I I don't. You know, what, I'm not gonna go there. I don't. Even, I don't even mm -hmm. want to go there. I was gonna say some flopping out my deck, but like the, that's projecting strength. <laughs> but it's also like, you know, you're not gonna go there. It's we we don't want to take it that yeah. far. Nah. That's another thing, like about Microsoft. They seem so. Because they're a major company, like they're necessarily valueless, right? 
It's not like, okay. let, yeah. let's say theoretically, and it doesn't make sense from the scale of both companies or size. Mm. But like if Gabe Newell bought Activision Blizzard, you couldn't wake more tells where this ride is going, like open systems, like reintroducing third party, based on the precedent of two esports that they currently have running, right? With subsidized events um, propped up by in-game sales that they are like putting minimal effort to over the year, right? That That's something reasonable to expect. I don't think Microsoft has nearly that profile. Uh, Microsoft Gaming doesn't have that profile. And however small you might want to break that down, I don't think they have really substantiated a modus operandi, if you want, about how they go about these things. Um, Your French is pretty good. Like, even... Even like recent gaming acquisitions with Bethesda or whatever, like we're not really far along enough into that cycle to really tell anything uh, mm. from that movement. So, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, embrace the fall, I guess. Well fallen. Um, no reason to really like you know grasp white knuckles to like other falling debris and pretend we're standing on it. Um. And just, like, see what happens. But I guess, like, if you wanted to make an estimate, I think, if anything, you'd probably be down on esports. Uh, um, or at least franchise esports for now. Um, and you'd well. probably be... Um, I mean, just Halo is, like, a precedent. I'm sure there are other, uh, other examples. But I don't know. Like, once again, I don't think there's a majority tell within Microsoft's movement as mm. to communicate that esports is the big thing. To be honest, I'm currently pretty, like, pessimistic about the future of esports in the first place, unless you're League of Legends. Um, but it feels like some are figuring out entertainment more. I've long held the, the feeling that this younger generation doesn't have as much of a desire for competitive content as maybe our generation did. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I feel like we cared way more about the actual game than the entertainment surrounding it, but maybe that's... So the Zoomers, man. The Zoomers are at it again. The Zoomers really do... They really do ruin everything, don't they? I mean, I it's, they're not I at fault. The, the, the environment created around them makes them so... Like, they're com constantly competing anyway. You log onto your phone, you're on social media, and now you're competing with, I like, an Instagram model or the funniest people at the... Like, I think it's just easier to blame them. I'm just going to blame the Zoomies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck them. Um, I, is, can I, I'm, I'm going to have a take, which is just, like, an extremely neutral status quo take where like right. actually nothing happens or be yeah. very little happens and no nothing really changes and we, we have all the stuff like well you know hcs isn't franchise maybe microsoft doesn't like franchise i'm like well maybe they just won't change anything yeah maybe they're like you know what blizzard you do you you yeah. guys mm -hmm. you you just keep doing you you're fine we'll we'll change up some management and you know do some other stuff around stuff around the block and maybe have some impact on how ips are developed and what new games will come out and you know, people like, oh, I hope we get a StarCraft 3. And they're like, well, maybe yeah, we'll see. I we'll, don't we'll... get that. Where is that coming well, from? It's coming from people that who just want take. to see StarCraft 3. Um, but that's not the point, though. My point is, like, no, I there's, know, I there's, know. There's, 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 there's a 
like very optimistic way to view this is a more pessimistic way to view this and then there's just a very status quo way to view this which is the way i'm viewing it right now which is i just don't think that much is going to change like okay yeah you're going to see all these abk products suddenly on the xbox game pass cool and maybe microsoft have some you know they have more say on like yeah like hey make this game or like do a do a sequel for this or like i don't know some some stuff like that but i i as far as control and how much input they're willing to have mm. they might not need to have that much input or want to have that much input and sometimes like i think activision had too much input like activision's input on blizzard in the long term like my opinion is that it's all pretty negative like it actually ruined things so the i you almost just want and I guess I'm talking about old Blizzard here, but you actually just kind of want Blizzard to be Blizzard and for them to do mm. their thing and make the games on their own time schedule. Like, the old Blizzard way, which is, it's done when it's done, um, at least at the time, created some fantastic games. And, you know, you could really see the artistry in what they made because they, you know, it was, these are like, I almost describe the games as like AAA passion projects, mm -hmm. which is essentially what they were. Because yeah. um, you had people that cared more about the art form of gaming rather than the business of it yeah uh which is also jeff kaplan in a nutshell by the way and you know his conflict with the c-suite is i don't know if it's well documented but that, that's like a large reason why he left and a large reason why probably a lot of the you know old school blizzard guys left and why they're all working for mike again in Dreamhaven or wherever else they are you know in, in, in those new incubators um yeah. but i mean that that's also a major problem for Blizzard with their PR. Like, one of the big reasons why Blizzard was so successful was like, A, they created some of the favorite games of a generation, then that generation became competent professionals, and they were willing to work at Blizzard to create their childhood dreams anew or improve on them, probably for pennies for the actual labor, right? And if you lose that aspect and that status and people are like, even the nerd cycles are less like, oh yeah, I work for Blizzard. Oh, you work for Blizzard? Hi. Status com com communicated. And now yeah. it's like, I work for Blizzard. Oh, what, are you all right? Like, are you overworking? Are you treating, being treated well? That just like attracts differently, right? Um, so... I blame Activision for that. Yes. True. Um, and... I think that might also be helped a little bit. Of course, like this is down the line stream like type of situations, even though immediate hires might be easier. Um, but yeah, I, I think those are improvements. I think Eric makes a selling point about like status quo um, being held by other previously um, purchased or um, yeah, integrated companies uh, for Microsoft, such as LinkedIn, Mojang, Mojang, uh, some Minecraft developers. Um, yeah, Mojang's correct. The, the thing is, like, Skype is also one. For instance, Skype, not a success story for me. Like, Skype, if anything, was actually one of the companies that through um, lack of innovation and, like, lack of improvement of the product actually mm -hmm. fell behind. It is crazy that you can be the leading video telecommunication uh, internet softwares 
And during a pandemic, then everyone, don't... Then everyone uses Zoom. Yes. And then during a pandemic where your product should be like making nutty money mm. is replaced by Zoom just because it's a better yeah. product, right? Yeah, like you well, had all were, the heads working on It's because they were working on Skype 2 for too long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this feels like Xerox all over again. You know, like Xerox, like in the, in the 90s, we're like super far ahead of the copy edit, uh, copying, um, companies to the to the degree that i mean to xerox is still a verb in in english right yeah mm -hmm. right so they used to have such a big lead they actually i think they invented the mouse and shit like this and now who the fuck cares about xerox true yeah right so i don't even know who they are i see, googled their I, name wrong <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how much i didn't know who they were yeah like they they could have been definitely like apple sized at the uh, at the moment mm. right um for sure so yeah I, I think there's there is some some fear of um of just only like, if yeah only if abk don't make new good games or their mm. existing franchises don't do well from a live service standpoint i mean of <sighs> watch 2 has a really high chance of being successful which like I don't know, sounds maybe too optimistic coming from me, but um, I mean, if they actually reset, push the reset button properly, monetize it properly, and it's actually a fun game, you know, it can, it can last a long time. And that's, that's like a, a, a lot, the live service game that ABK has wanted for a long time. Mm -hmm. But even beyond that, like if they keep making, I was going to say just keep making Call of Duty, they've got to do something where, well, the problem with Call of Duty has always been that Every now and then you'll get a good one and then the next Call of Duty is bad and then you get another good one and a bad one. Just because the vision for Call of Duty is just so different every single game and that's just hard yeah, to handle. But different deaths. I'm pretty sure people will say, oh, Call of Duty is like dying and it's like, okay, you got one bad game, but the next one might be good and then, you know, the, the, the ship will turn around instantly just off the new release. Mm. Um, it would have to be like for this, this Xerox analogy, this, this example to come true for this acquisition, ABK would have to like, they would have to make some really big flops, like every, their entire thing. Like all ABK would have to flop pretty hard on on releases. Like Diablo Four would have to be a shit show. Overwatch Two would have to be a shit show. The next Call of Duty would have to be another shit show. Would have to tank Call of Duty, Call of Duty's confidence, all that kind of stuff. Like you have to have a lot of things go wrong in a row, and then no successes come through. Um, and you're already building on, I would say, like a lot of A market share and B. I want to say good faith, uh, even though that sounds like a bit of a meme with some of the ABK products currently. But I mean, there's a lot of people that are willing to come back and still play those games. A lot of people that still love those games. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about Warcraft because I don't know what direction WoW is going to go in and dragons, how they can save that. Because unfortunately, you're so deep in WoW in terms of the the, the time it's been out and alive and supported that. I don't know if they're going to just run into, or if they already have run into, you know, blocks where how much, for, where else do you take the game? It's just getting, they've, you've almost scope creeped yourself into oh. a bit of a situation. So I don't know about Warcraft, but the other franchises I see, I still see good things happening. I still see um, Overwatch and Diablo having great futures because uh, yeah, there's still a lot of space sure. left to grow in. And I still see Call of Duty doing the same thing it does maybe figuring out what the fans actually want and having a bit more consistency in their releases. 
Um, also, like their mobile games do super well. Candy Crushes. I don't yeah. know if that's still a big mobile. I have to assume it is because it makes a lot of money. Uh, and Call of Duty Mobile does super well as well. You know, I mean, I'm not a mobile gamer, so it's not on my radar. But for the people that do play mobile, like that's apparently a big deal. So mm-hmm. they got that going for them. I just, I don't see, I don't see ABK flopping anytime soon. No, I think no. they've got, I think they got big releases coming up. They still got some really strong franchises, sure. and they have one franchise that I think is maybe a legitimate trouble, and that's just Warcraft. Yep, yep, yep. Would agree. Even though to degrees, yeah. Sure. To kind of pose this to to the both of you, because I was about to join Avril on Take Island, um, with this whole thing because because it is it is so hard to like work through. Like, what does it mean? I don't know. It's a lot of money. It's really big. Like, it's a you know megacorp. Like, what the fuck? How do you navigate this? It's weird. Um, but I've kind of talked myself out of Take Island, and I'm kind of interested on your guys' thoughts on this. Like. Is this the like we've seen the status quo with other, you know, game acquisitions from Microsoft's end? You know, they've they've purchased Zenimax, who's the parent company of Bethesda, obviously with Skyrim and Elder Scrolls and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, they they have Mojang, obviously Minecraft fame. Um, they have some big hitters in terms of just gaming in general. Do we see like a conglomerate? microsoft launcher akin to maybe what blizzard's done with the blizzard launcher like are we getting a one-stop shop for the, Isn't that the xbox store isn't that yeah. the xbox store it's like pretty much just worse just yeah, worse I mean, yeah I mean, would it be worse no it's hard. Like, it already oh, is worse. it's hard worse can we get it's it's pretty bad. I don't know. Like, I if if anything, I kind of wish it was just on whatever proprietary stuff Blizzard's got with the the Blizzard launcher. But maybe I'm biased. Um, yeah, the Microsoft Store is kind of ass. I mean, uh, I yeah. I think you're because there's already a precedent set for things that exist. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost better just to leave it. You know, you just like. It's already been at launcher. People are already used to a certain system. Unless, like, it's super important for you as a company to consolidate it all under the Xbox store, just fucking leave it. Just don't touch that. Like, it's just... Sometimes the status quo is fine. Just leave it as it is. Until it needs to be changed, I don't see a real reason to go off the deep end right now. And you're not just dealing with, you know, the Blizzard products. You're dealing with all the Bethesda products, like you mentioned, the For Skyrims sure. and the Elder yeah. Scrolls, and you have the, the id games as well, the Quakes and the Dooms and stuff like that. I mean, did you know that it, Bethesda have their own launcher as well for all their games? Oh, yeah, I they no do. Clue. Yeah, because uh, I I got a I got a free code for Wolfenstein Youngblood, right? Oh, and to redeem this code, I did download it through the Bethesda launcher. I see, and I don't know. I just like I just, I don't know. It's a, it's a game where I feel, I think it's like a co-op game anyway, and I need to know somebody sure. else who know has the game. I'm like, I just couldn't well, I just didn't play it, and so I just I just didn't go through all that kind of stuff. But yeah, they they have a Bethesda launcher with all the Bethesda games, and they're like Fallout's on there and everything. Um, so every every company's got their own launcher, and maybe it would be good for Xbox and Microsoft to all put that under the same roof. But at the same time, it's just like maybe not so much for the Bethesda launcher, but definitely for the Bnet launcher for Activision Blizzard. It's like I don't know. Like we have a thing already. We we have a set system that works. Yeah, it currently works. Why why mess with that? It, it. I guess in my 
like sugar plum dream is that it doesn't mess with it it just adds to it like we got with like destiny 2 was just like added in like okay cool like you have wow you have warcraft you then oh boom destiny like cool i could just like play destiny from here that's that's kind of neat like what if i could just play skyrim from the bnet launcher that's pretty cool i could play whatever id software is coming up with next yeah okay i might check it out if they they all being added to the bnet launcher but that's i don't think that's what we're talking about we're at we're talking about adding everything to the xbox client to the game pass client i was i was just looking at it from like a you know an integration standpoint like you have all of these studios do we see a mass push in the next x amount of years for mass integration into one you know slick launcher for microsoft be it the store with a rehaul or somebody else's but just rebranded i mean mean, if they if they can improve their launcher and their client I'm, i'm i'm full for it i just don't really like their client currently I, um, I, I think their interoperability will definitely be one of the goals, especially if you're if you're looking at their messages and their uh, mm-hmm. presentation. Like this is a metaverse move. Yep. Like the, the bare minimum is connecting all your uh, companies' virtual worlds in some space. Right. So yep. I think the, the the collected platform is only the first step, and then bringing that into like a somewhat metaversal experience is just like it feels very high probability if they want to compete with steam if they want to compete with steam then they should bring it all under one roof yeah Mm -hmm. uh and part of me looks at this and thinks like it is microsoft i I think they would want to compete with steam like why would they not um they could be one of the few companies that actually can compete with steam uh, to try and you know get people to use something different because you know we all know what well, ea have origin to dubious results i think origins kind of they've even at this point i think they've even admitted failure because all these origin exclusive games where you have to use origin to play these ea yeah, games just you can just use you can just play them on steam now they ea is just gonna fuck it and they just put them all on steam now you can even do the whole ea play subscriber thing which is basically game pass but only for ea games so the value offering is way worse um that's even available on steam now you don't even have to use or i think you still i think it maybe still goes through origin but the point is they are selling these products on steam and yes there's egs as well this is the epic game store but um i guess egs does compete but they're kind of their strategy is interesting because they're kind of buying exclusives they're almost following a console strategy where they're mm-hmm. they're buying exclusive rights to the distribution of certain games usually for a year or however long it is or maybe some of it's permanent i don't know um and, and competing that way by forcing people almost forcing people to go to egs if you want to play a certain game uh for the first year i mean borderlands was there hades was there the new darkest dungeon is there i'm, I'm naming certain games. there's probably like way more games than that um but microsoft actually had because of the way the game pass works and how popular that is on top of now owning abk and then having all these games that they actually own as well as mm-hmm. i think their store sells a bunch of stuff that just generally exists on the market i think like i think like a good microsoft store for digital products and games could definitely overtake egs soon and then look to compete with steam in the long term yeah i i think it's i think i would side with Yiska and say it's probable i guess my big hang-up is like how or why hasn't it happened yet 
obviously the stores existed that goes without saying but when you when you pick up Zenimax when you pick up uh Mojang and you have all these like just triple a you know for god's sakes like minecraft youtube is is somehow still a thing and it's almost bigger than it was in the past i feel like like these are games that people like want to play how is it how are they not under one like streamlined roof yet uh that's where i'm just a little like huh it's a little weird but yeah uh long and short of it from my end i don't know what this does to esports hopefully it's something good So let's talk about the actual esports side of it. Like, what is okay? So we we've established that yes, sixty eight point seven billion dollars is directly being put into Overwatch League, mm. um, and you know, yeah, uh, I'll probably see none of that. Um, <laughs> what does it all mean? No, so there's obviously none of that money is going into any of the esports. Um, I don't know if Mike how. A Microsoft very hands-on HCS. I don't know why it is, but my read on this whole thing mm-hmm. is that the HCS is run... I mean, obviously Microsoft have a division to run that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like a huge focus for them. And that leads me to believe... I wouldn't say they're hands-off, but they're not... Like, it's not a big deal for them. Like, they're not pushing... They're not dropping huge amount of money, huge amounts of money on HCS, like with massive. They're not. They're not doing franchising. They're yeah. not doing. They don't have gigantic ambitions for HCS. Is what I'm trying to get to at the end of the day. That's my. That's my point. Um, which says to me that I don't know that Microsoft are very hands on with the esports at all. That's not to say mm. they don't care about it and they don't want to do anything with it. I'm sure they. I'm sure you know, they'll want to do stuff, but for them, it's not a priority, right? At least that's, that's my, that's my read on yeah. it. That's my, what I see is they, I don't think it's the priority for Microsoft. Um, I would agree. I would agree. Which leads me down the path of, and, and some people might read that as native, it's like, oh my God, that means, you know, the esports is going to be dead and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing. But I, no, I read that as a neutral. I read that as a, as a status quo, which means Overwatch League, Call of Duty League, stuff like that. They just continue as normal. They just continue as they are, assuming all the partners want to continue. So the partners here being the franchise teams, if they want to continue as things are, then we just continue as things are. That's my kind of read on the situation because I don't think Microsoft are going to come in and be too heavy-handed about anything. Um, if anything, this falls under John Spector in a way as well because he's the head of commercial for Overwatch. And unless his job's changing or whatever, then I I still see the Overwatch League falling under him primarily. Yeah, he'll have to report to somebody and all that kind of stuff. But if we follow the the history of where Microsoft have been outside of adding these games onto the Game Pass and the Xbox Store, I don't know that too much is going to change. I think the esports will just continue as it is. It's not necessarily a positive or a negative. It just is a full neutral. Yeah, I, I would kind of echo back to uh, I think what you said, Avril. Um, like, do we know how much? Or how or what kind of like hands-on approach or hands-off approach you know Microsoft's gonna have? Are these companies going to operate you know uh, kind of on their own terms? Like it, it's likely that we just continue on, and there's probably just a new person that you know League Ops has to you know adhere to, or, or you know that's their new point of contact, and we keep on keeping on. Like it 
maybe we see increased sponsorship gain years down the road when things get a little bit more integrated from the top down i think it's probably gonna take some time before like the esports side of things really sees any kind of like significant change if anything it's gonna come from like um like you guys said like the c-suite down and maybe the developers are the first to see like actual change in their daily life which seems to be a positive trend um but again we're, we're pretty small like i mean the guy that we all, I, mean, I don't know if it's going to be Phil Spencer, but the guy that John Spector might report to could could be, they could be heavy handled, they could be so light handed. It's just, it's sure. literally the, are you winning, son, meme? It just comes and like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> are you winning, son? All right. And just leaves again. You know, like it's, it's like a bunch of nothing, um, mm. which is maybe fine. Like I, I think sometimes the best way to go about it is to just kind of let the people who know what they're doing do what they're doing. Yep. Um, and I, I mean, some change might happen, but I don't, I don't think Microsoft is going to come down. And this is again just my take, my speculation, my personal mm-hmm. take on. I don't think Microsoft's going to come down and be like, "Now you're going to do the Overwatch League like this, and you have yeah. to do it this way, and do that thing, and have this, and have that." I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're just going to be like, "Well, is is what you're doing good? Is it working? Do you need any help?" Like. You know, is there? Is, I think it'd be up to ABK and, and Activision Blizzard to come and come up to Microsoft and say, "Hey, we need these things. We want to do. We have certain ambitions for our esports, and we want to do certain things, and we need help with that. Mm. Um, and help help here is just euphemism for money, really. Like, give us some more money for it. But um, yeah, it'll be to me. It's like I, we are we are wanting to do something with the with with the esports leagues. We need more funding. I'm, we're going to ask for a bigger budget." We're going to try and justify that budget. And then that's it. That's that's how it's going to go. Can I ask a really just, dumb question? Yeah. Like, and this does relate to what you're saying in, in esports as a whole or, you know, Overwatch League as a whole. Like, does this move separate the A and the B? Like, is this like a division of Activision and Blizzard? Or is that uh, up to Microsoft? It sounds like a... I mean, do you, do you want to answer legally? I don't know. Like, legally, I don't, I don't know how that all works. Like, I guess sure. Microsoft can just, like, do whatever they want with it, and they can separate or combine Activision Blizzard as much as they want or don't want. Like, if, I guess if they really want, if they do, if they just own the whole thing, I guess if they really wanted, they can just treat them like different. I mean, they already are really different studios, aren't they? Well, Activision, you don't even know, don't even know if you can call that a studio because Activision comprises of all the... Mm-hmm. The price of the Treyarch and the you know, and the Infinity Wars. It's already its own thing, but I mean, I don't know. I don't even know how to how to begin dissecting that really. Mm, yeah, it's quite complicated. Yeah, makes sense. It's weird because I I just wonder if like if there if you subscribe to the idea that maybe Activision was slowly like creeping into Blizzard and, right. and making a lot of the decisions. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, but the thing yeah. is, like, do you think those people making that decision and having that autonomy within that, do you think they will still be here in two or three years' time? And at that point, the division is not really what you're concerned with. You're concerned with, like, a, a value creep into uh, Blizzard because, I mean... True. The yeah. fact that Activision has been a pretty bit, a lot more loose on how 
they tell their studios to handle their game development morals is is pretty evident, right? Like, um, like compare Overwatch to Call of Duty, right? Like Call of Duty is is inherently has in-game features that are way less protective and way more. toxicity using mm-hmm. than um than Overwatch ever was. So I think like in, in general, um whoever if you think that value creep will continue, I would say that really depends who stays, who doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um and also what the numbers are and what is to be expected, right? Um For sure. I think already, like if if anything, I think we're already seeing that value shift probably with Overwatch too. That's it's that that thing probably already happened, and we 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 do well not to misattribute once we um we have the results in our hands and what kind of direction we had taken. But I could already see a much more aggressive monetization scheme for Overwatch too. I could see a that was already going to happen though. Right. Yeah. I could see That's a... That's got nothing to do with Microsoft. Yes, exactly. Like, um, I could see, like, certain game design decisions be to be way more all-encompassing of the full range of human emotions, i.e., let's rage at scoreboards. Um, <laughs> so, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, I think whatever is encroaching there, it probably already is emotion. And given the situation and the, the timescales at which this happens... I think, uh, like, whatever is going to happen in the short term has already been determined uh, internally. We just haven't heard of it yet. Because, once again, we haven't heard shit from this game. Uh, true, true. Based, as the kids say. Right. Yeah, so... Any sort of uh, closing thoughts from anybody on the whole Microsoft thing before we move away from it? It's it's quite a hefty topic. We spent a long time on this because this has been really. Do I dare even say news of the week? It's it's so much bigger than news of the week. Um, Any anything else to add? Obviously, Kodak is on his way out, as pretty much confirmed. Happy about some of the 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 leadership changes, but is this the savior of the Overwatch League? Ah, uh, did we need saving? <laughs> Probably. Is this we gonna do it? I don't Maybe. think Microsoft has any impact on 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 this. I just oh, think like I think the, the the only thing that saves Overwatch League is Overwatch Two and the success mm. or like thereof of that game. That's it. That's legitimately it. Now, obviously, Microsoft have a vested interest in how well Overwatch Two does because they would like to see one of their games do well. But sure. I mean, yeah. Again, not a single cent from that acquisition money is going to the Overwatch League, so it's not like the acquisition does anything personally for the Overwatch League. At least not immediately. Not mm. not in the near future. Not in the next few years. Nothing's going to happen. Oh. We're looking at Overwatch 3 before we start to see major changes. <laughs> I mean, if Overwatch 2 does what it's supposed to do, there won't be an Overwatch Shouldn't 3. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. Fingers crossed. Hey, Activision's, Activision's not in charge anymore. Codec's not there. Codec won't be there to be like, all right, now nope. make another one. Like... <laughs> Where is it on mobile? 
Uh, oh well. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure where I am with this. Um, mm. I think general upside should be slightly optimistic based on this move. Um, I I my hope is that the good people that have been inspired by a generation of games some 10 to 15 to 20 years ago can continue to find a place within that company at that scale to provide top-tier AAA titles to us, mm -hmm. unencumbered on their morals and, like, um, I'm not even sure if I would use that word correctly. <laughs> uh, German, by the way. Um, but just get to... Um, to do dope shit, really, right? That's that's yeah. sort of the point. I hope this, whatever this is, hopefully this provides a moral boost internally to the team uh, and makes like working on the tight uh, deadline a little bit more bearable. Um, I will also say I greatly enjoyed the energy that uh, Mark Morheim's likes brought to Twitter. He liked two TLO tweets. Which I which I enjoyed the first one. Let me let me quickly read them out. So the first one was: Imagine telling someone ten years ago that Microsoft buying Blizzard would be universally welcomed by the community. Now, okay, universally welcomed. Interesting definition. I'm not sure if that's necessarily true. Mm. Um, but generally speaking, yeah, I guess um, <laughs> definitely like a positive aura surrounding mm. this. And then the second one is even more interesting, is TLO tweets and Mike Morheim likes. Uh, Save StarCraft, please, Xbox at Xbox. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I'm sure know. Mike would love to see more, more StarCraft stuff. Sure he would. I think, like, the whole, like, yeah, universally welcomed. I don't know if it's universally welcomed, because some people might be mm. quite skeptical about it, but at this point, it can't, you have... You, you have to imagine, you never say never, but at this point, it can't be worse than Activision being in charge, right? Mm. You'd take anybody, you'd, you'd much sooner take Microsoft being in charge than Activision being in charge, especially under Kodak and what he values in business. Right. You know, Kodak really is the kind of guy that wants to milk a franchise dry as fast as possible. Yeah. Um, and you hope Microsoft aren't those people, but I don't really, I don't know how Phil Spencer does business. I don't know what his priorities are it's so hard to tell you know i don't know if microsoft are going to be heavy-handed or really laid back are they going to give abk a lot of autonomy are they not like you know it's so hard to tell because there's a world where they they're very heavy-handed they come in they just change up all this stuff and they like insert like very strong mandates and policies about how they want things to, how they want to run things and they you know, really strongly dictate how the franchises are handled. I mean, I mean that could still actually be a good thing at the end of the day if they have a really strong, clear, successful vision for those kind of things. But it's just so hard to tell. I mean, I think my dream scenario would be that they restore a lot of autonomy, especially to Blizzard, but also make enough necessary changes and put put competent strong people in um leadership positions that will be able to lead the franchises into a successful successful direction uh in the business sense and also in the artistic sense i mean that's asking for a lot. i feel like i'm just asking for jesus to come back really so i don't know yeah 
it's just it's just so hard to tell. It really comes down to how much impact and how much input does Microsoft want to have. I can definitely say that if the franchises don't do well, so the less well, especially on the business side, that the ABK franchises do, the more heavy-handed Microsoft are going to be in terms of controlling those franchises. And the better mm-hmm. they do, probably the more level of autonomy that they'll allow ABK to have. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Also, yes, guy, I appreciated that uh, you gave TLO no caveats as to who he is and why people should possibly uh, respect him. So uh, if you do know who TLO is, please leave a comment and possibly at somebody in uh, Discord because I'd like to uh, give you special internet brownie points. Very true. Yeah, I just assumed everyone's a East West <laughs> Yeah, makes sense. We do we operate in Overwatch. We assume people who, who watch this or listen to this will like... I mean, you know who TLO is. If you don't know, just, I don't know. Google Eric, Google Eric knows who TLO is. I know I know Eric does. At least there's one of them. Yeah. There we go. A true random. He embraced the RNG. Okay. So that out of the way, mm. that's going to be the Microsoft talk done. Uh, definitely. Uh, for some time, I don't think we're going to get an update on the Microsoft stuff for a long time. So... I've, we've pretty much said all we need to say about the Microsoft stuff for now. Um, there's not too much to say about it just because there's still so many unknown factors. I mean, we don't even know if it's going to fully go through yet. Yeah, true. go through so much antitrust stuff. Um, we're not going to talk about any of Watch League 2022 roster updates because there hasn't been enough. I'd rather save that for next week it, when perhaps more stuff will be announced and then we can do an episode that is more focused on that. I think this week was better to be more focused on like a big topic like this Microsoft acquisition than For sure. to sideline and and get too uh, jumbled up and scattergun on too many different things. But we are still going to end the episode on however many rounds of Get Off the Fence with Joe. So, Joe, Ooh. start your game show. Play Bing the music. Bong. Deal or no deal. Go. Deal or no deal. Here we are. We've got deals. Maybe we've got dogs outside in our front yard. Maybe Yiska's going, going hard. macro hard. Who knows, right? Yeah. We've got some questions from the old patron question askers. Uh, if you would like to ask us a question for uh, the next episode of, or a future episode rather, of Get Off the Fence, you can uh, just become a patron at patreon.com slash tacticalcrouch. Any level of patronage is not only welcomed, but allows you to ask a question. Just leave a uh, DM in uh, our Twitter mentions or join our Discord, confirm that patron status, and uh, drop a drop a line, and I will add you to my magical list of magical things. Um, so we're going to give... We're going to give this first one, you know, we're going to go a little lighthearted. I know business talk has probably put some people to sleep. It's kind of like snoozeville, like, cool, that's a lot of money, bro. I don't give a fuck. So what the people really want to know. Yiska. Yes. From our favorite listener. We say that about everybody. However, <laughs> maybe Yiska means it for you, Picasso. I don't know. But Picasso asked the question. Definitely not. <laughs> Fair enough, Picasso. I don't know, man. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Wait, let me break for... Uh, Picasso level question. Ooh, okay. 
if there is ever a question, Picasso, this this is a very Picasso question. If you right. if you you know frequent the Discord, you know he he has some he's he's a creative mind. Let's say, right? Uh, he asks Yeska, um, what is the superior esports uniform? Jerseys, polos, or something else? Hard mode. You can't say bomber jackets. Huh. Oh, my favorite question in esports. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. So. Number one, don't care. Number two, didn't ask. No. <laughs> um, I think generally being creative is a cool thing because there's no real demands for esports jerseys. Okay. Like it, you could. Why not trench coats? There's no reason why it couldn't be trench coats, right? Doesn't feel very comfortable. Yeah, that's a little weird, man. I don't think you're playing into too many uh, you know, positive stereotypes with uh, trench coats and gamers. Wait, why are trench coats not comfortable? I'm just saying there's... Well, I don't know. Is that why, like, they open them up in sit, front of me in the park? Would you, would you sit <laughs> down and avoid playing, them, avoid playing video games in the park, maybe, but would you, would you feel comfortable sitting down in front of a computer for hours at a time in a trench in coat? In a trench coat. Yeah. That I mean, okay. it sounds bad. Yeah, no, everything like within comfort. Yeah. So a bathrobe could work, right? Ooh. That's comfy. A like a like a pajama could work. Sure. Um, but nice. bottom line is I think I enjoy when people are being creative with it because there's no real limitation other than probably like not have some weird shit on the arms that could inhibit uh, right. The player's ability to play the game. Most functional esports wears <laughs> borderline scammy um, because there's no real physical requirements to gaming. Um, but the sweat, you don't you don't want like breathable material for the gaming hours. And I mean, the if you're sweating while gaming, my friend, hit the gym. Like you have <laughs> you have other problems if you're transpiring during gaming. All right, um, all right. So yeah, generally speaking, I think functional wear like as long as it's comfy everything is good and fun um mm. and then just like be creative about it I, f I think the idea that we have to model ourselves out of the sports jerseys is pretty garbage because there's a reason why sports jerseys are the way they are because they need to be performance right mm. um but for for esports there's no such limitations it's just like oh there's an e in front of our sport so I guess we do e dashboard. Like there's no reason, right? Just be creative with it. Like that's why I I, I kind of thought like the KDP stuff back in the day was kind of interesting, at least. Little um, jumpsuits. Yeah. Mechanic suits. Yeah. Um. So maybe we go into sailor that. Suits? Yeah. They did the sailor outfits. Yep. They did that too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Just like. Be uh, creative with it, and as long as it makes some sense, I'm I'm with you. Like I I don't hate the recent um one of thief stuff and G two stuff and whatnot. Like as long as it looks good, it's all fine. But then again, I don't think clothes are a particular piece or like thing that you necessarily need to communicate your allegiance to a team to. I think they're better places, especially virtually, and that's where skins come in and whatnot. I think that makes way more sense to 
communicate allegiance to them in virtual spaces than in the outside world. Nobody's going to care. And on the on the off chance that someone does recognize the uniform, I don't know. Like I feel the majority of the utility comes from it being a good-looking piece of clothing. That's mm. it. So you would you would say you're probably not a fan of like the esports numbers, right? Like the numbers Ugh, in the jerseys. Stupid has no relevance. Yeah. Okay, uh, Avril. Uh, any any takes? Uh, jerseys, polos, yeah, but- no bomber jackets. Jessica, then, then how are you going to avoid a situation where like half your league's player base is has the number one? You don't have to. Everyone wants to be number one. Avoid it. Everyone wants. Everyone wants to be number one, right? So then you just get like this overwhelming number of players with the number one on their jersey. Just not <laughs> make numbers. Imagine if you change teams. Imagine if you like maybe you yeah you go into a different team now, but that team already has someone with the number one. Like who someone's going to change the number, you know. You know how we we already have pretty cool signifiers of someone's uh, character that goes beyond numerology, and we call that nickname. Why not have that on the back of a of a jersey with the full name? That's already like why numbers, bro? So you're trying to be sports so bad, it's (laughs) pathetic. Because because uh, Pete Blastelica decided that he really wanted to be the NFL and he's like you know what we're gonna force numbers on the jerseys no matter what anyway Joe I'm thinking thinking about this for a while Mm. I actually think this conundrum was solved a very long time ago okay Uh, if you go back thousands of years to the Olympics I think the Greeks sorted it out mate all you need is a spear and a shield and that's it you don't, I don't think you need anything else. You you play in a spear and a shield, and the rest of it's free hanging. Oh. Uh, you let nature you let know, you let nature take care of the rest. You know nothing gets in the nothing gets in the way, and you're just boom. You just focus on the game, uh, and you're competing. You're competing the way nature intended you to compete nice. with only a spear I, I and a shield. It. Ancient so, Rome yeah. had spears and shields. Modern Greeks, Zoomers. Yeah. Greeks. I'm, I'm, I think that yeah, I'm the Greeks when they when they compete, you know, you you weren't hiding anything. It was True. all out there. It was all out there for everybody. Uh so I mean that's the most level playing field I can think of when you know when you got nothing to hide. Just our natural. So feeling it. At the end of it though, I, I think the whole idea of like performance-based clothing for esports is a bit of a meme. Mm. So the best, the best answer to me probably has to be that you just go for what looks cool. As again, as long as it's comfortable, pretty much what you just said, you go for what is fashionable so that it looks good. Because hey, if you want to, if you want to sell merch and sell jersey at the end of the day, you do have to have stuff that actually looks good as opposed to stuff that's quote unquote super high function when you're not running you're not actually you're not doing a lot of physical exertion oh are you going to sweat while playing games crank up the ac i don't know man like you're playing <laughs> most of these arenas if you get to that level it, it, these are studios and arenas are cold as fuck anyway mm. you know like there's people mostly complain like man it was a lot of cold this it's actually really cold i need like a second layer on me barely anyone says man that was too fucking hot i guess it depends on the climate and where you are but 
aircon exists. If you're in a studio environment, there's there's always going to be aircon. It's not an issue. So functionality in terms of like performance base makes no sense. It should just look cool. Like you, it should be something. My ideal my ideal way would be the esports jersey you wear is cool enough that you could wear it normally as just a, like a regular attire, just regular fashion you'd wear on the street. Which is where I think Hundred Thieves kind of nail it for the most part. Mm. Like they they have a lot of stuff. They have some stuff that is like super quote unquote esportsy, which is like come on, you guys can do better than that. But then they have a lot of stuff that is like just super normal streetwear that you could just wear, and and that should just be their esports jerseys, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, that's where I stand. Fair enough. From Spears and Shields to Mice and Keyboard. Uh, we're going to venture back to Yiska with a question about the gladiators from Picasso again. Picasso asks Yiska, who would have who would have been more successful in the GOATS metagame? Gladiators with Fissure or Shanghai with Fate? Get off the fence. Hmm. Who did Shanghai have in season two? Gamsu. Oh yeah, easy. Shanghai. <laughs> Shanghai. Yeah, pretty sure. Um Okay. I think Fate is just like a massive upgrade on Gamsu. In like he's like Gamsu 3.0 in many ways. Mm. Um yep. Yeah, I don't think Fissure was particularly outstanding in uh for that type of meta. I think that would have been some cohesion issues. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure, I, but it feels like the higher likelihood play would be um, Fate to Shanghai. So you're just saying like the delta between the two of Gamsu compared to you know? Yeah, I'm not sure if Fisher would even be an upgrade for Flats. Uh, hmm. And they, they must have thought the same thing because they moved against it. I, I, right. I'm not sure they were the type of team that would just like get rid of a player for internal issues to that degree. Mm. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Avril, any any something tells gonna, me uh, probably imagine. I'm gonna cheat here a little bit okay. and say Gladiators if Gam if if Fisher can actually play with the team. The problem He's performing here is, well in scrims. Not even no. He wants to fucking be in the scrim in the first place. Of course, Fisher probably would have always been good in scrim. The point is, he doesn't want to play with the team. He don't. He doesn't. He doesn't want to be on a white person team. He only wants to play in a four Korean team. <laughs> so, hey, his words, not mine. Yeah, anyway, uh, uh, he. So assuming, assuming that he's willing to play on the season two Gladiators team, mm. then Fish on Gladiators hundred percent. Because you're replacing Roar and Panka, like yo, you're talking about replacing Gam. Look, Gamsu's not even that bad, but Roar and Panka, bro, who 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 are these guys? Mm. Roar, this guy is a total letdown. The rest of the Gladius team is so much stronger in Goats. I feel if the K Zarya, like damn, that's already powerful. Void Diva, come on, guys, let's get on the right page here. Mm. And then you put Fisher Ryan on top of that, and okay, yeah, you got Big Goose and Shares. I'm sure they'll be fine. They'll, be, you know, that's all right. I mean. Is what it is. Uh, I think tanks mostly make or break goats anyway. Tanks and your Zarya player. Um, and Shanghai have what? They have 
Envy and Gregory to play Diva. They have either Dia or DM playing Zarya. Mm, I'm not feeling that. And then you have Fate on Ryan. Fate's not even good on Ryan this year. Like, that's not even one of his heroes. I don't even trust Fate on Ryan this year, let alone 2019. Mm. I think if you can make Fisher work on Gladius and he actually wants to play on the team, then obviously it's Fisher on Gladius. But if we're talking realistically and he doesn't want to play in Gladiators, well, I mean, he's already answered the question for all of us. So I guess, I mean, that's an auto. That's You just pick Shanghai by default because Fisher's like, no, I don't even want to play in this team. Fair enough. Got a split room. Not a concise answer. Um, hmm. This one's kind of fun. Yeska, we're coming to you from J.R. Smithsonian in Discord. Uh, he asked, or they ask, uh, remember, remember that one time Yiska said, quote, if you replace Izayaki with Shu, Alarm, or Twilight, you would find the same success on the dragons, end quote. There are so many similar comparisons that one could make. If X player was given a good chance, they would thrive. Tier 2 is a whole other can of worms. Where does the good team equal good player logic end? Okay. I got to unclutter this statement a little. So, mm -hmm. so he's, okay, there's, they're stating like, there's a problem with the argument that someone could be exchanged. I'm not even sure what the what the question really is. Is is it like uh, I don't know what the question is either. Actually, I've no idea. Um so I think generally speaking, for instance, you probably couldn't replace Lip. Mm -hmm. Um in the in the role that Fate had, I think you probably couldn't replace Fate. Okay. You could maybe find people as skilled, as, or not as skilled as Void, but make it so they're still probably as successful, just because off-tank is pretty stacked. Mm -hmm. I think Lee Jagon is going to be harder. Um, if I look to other teams, I think... I think, for instance, comparing Dallas, like putting fate where Fearless was, would just mm -hmm. be such a monumental switch on that team and how they can play or would play that I don't even know how that would shake out. It would just shape, reshape the entire flavor of the team. Mm. Um, same as if Sparkle was missing. Um, I think you're kind of getting at what I'm assuming, JR, hopefully uh, you can correct us if we're, you know, maybe misinterpreting this wrong, but maybe the question could be better served as what makes these players so irremovable? What about, what about them as players separates them from the good team, therefore good player argument, where we just look at a good team and say, oh, well, all the players on this team are just good. Everybody on the shock yeah. is good. Everybody on the dragons are just good. They're just yeah. the top. They're the best players. Yeah. What about the, those players are just so irremovable that maybe Izayaki just doesn't bring to the table or so is cloudy. I guess for me, the difference is has that person in a vacuum 
meaning in a worse team where he had, <clears throat> hasn't any strongly supportive tasks already demonstrated the ability to perform at a similar level. I think that's not true for Iziaki, okay. um, which is why I made the statement at the time. I think it would probably be true for... I mean, it was true f Was it true for Fate? I think so, with exceptions. Um, I think Void, very likely to be the case. Mm. Lib, most definitely. Like, n not that he has demonstrated that elsewhere, but I think Lib just can do things that others can't do. Like, sure. nobody can play Sombra like Lib does. Mm. Right? Like, it, this is not a module of, like, him getting more heals or anything, or, like, um, like his team being set up in a very specific way. He just is a freak of nature in so, uh, certain aspects of the game, right? Mm. Um, while others are very comparable. Ans was a player that was transcendental in his ability to do certain stuff, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when, when he was on peak um, hitscan. Um, who else is... Transcendental. I think feel is to a degree on monkey. Um, there's uh, just certain aspects of a player that are so world class and outstanding, even outside the elite role, that mm. they are very hard to replace because they're like one of one in in certain aspects of the game. Um, right. And these certain aspects have to be pretty important towards the outcome of the season, I suppose. So. Um. I think there's a huge issue in Overwatch to n having a hard time discerning between who is really like astronomically good or who is really bad, rather. Um, so, for instance, like on Washington Justice in season two, was everyone garbage? Like, was every single player never going to be a, considered a good player? And like, if we put one of those players onto the Shanghai Dragons with perfect language ability and whatnot. Mm. Um, would they clearly stand out like a thought, sore thumb? Like that, that that question isn't as trivial, I think. Mm. Um, and there's also something to be said about human adaptability and being in the environment of like just like the best and what it does to your own drive and practice and where you think about the game and. The, the internal facility and willingness to adapt to this is probably what we would consider to be the good player thing within someone. Mm. So in that, unfortunately, for 95% of all players, we will never be able to answer that question because they will never get into that position. Mm. Um, so yeah, the, I think it is not a fair situation to... But in, in essence, you can just evaluate... You can only evaluate what's actually on the server and what is special about them and what seems to be taught to themselves or internally had that is extraordinary beyond what their peers are capable of, which cannot mm. simply just come from the system that they're operating in. And that's... I don't think that is true for Izayaki. It is very true for Lip. Right. Makes sense. Avril, any... Any thoughts there? Well, I, I actually think Overwatch 2, in theory, should do a much better job of showcasing players' individual mechanics and their own abilities a lot better to discern 
you know, who, so who's better than who in a more measurable mm. kind of way. Um, also, I don't really, I, I didn't agree at the time, and I still don't now really agree with the easy take from Yusuke in general. I think the only irreplaceable player on Shanghai uh, to that degree is Lip, because he transformed how Sombra is to be played and is the only person I've seen be able to execute Sombra in the way that he does. Mm. Uh, literally not, not seeing any other player that can have match his degree of success on that character and it was such an important hero in last year's especially playoffs run. I was going to say most of the season but especially the playoffs run. Mm. Um, so, ah oh shit, I've kind of like lost control. What What is even the original question again? I've already kind of I think, I think the I was... core of it, the thesis is where does the good team equal good player logic end? And I feel like from that, we kind of synthesize like what makes somebody irreplaceable? Why, why does, why do good oh, players um, stand out? Well, in Overwatch 1, I would define that as like someone that is, well, the easy way to answer it is someone that can bring a level of gameplay to the table that Mm. transcends what everyone else is able to do at a mechanical level, whether that's lip on Sombra or leave on just about everything else. Um or just any player that kinda can kinda do that. You know, lip on uh not lip decay on Zarya in twenty twenty playoffs as well. It's just something like that where like you have one guy that just their own ability is so far elevated above everyone else's it's it's really ridiculous, right? Um that's certainly one. I mean, there's more intangible ways of it as well. Like certain players could be super important to their teams to make them irreplaceable. Mm. Um, in you know, whether that's in game through leadership decision making, um, how they manage the teamwork in the team, or even outside of the game, and just you know, what is their position of the game? Do they have leadership qualities that? keep everything in line because making sure your team's on the same page in and out of game and having that team morale and everyone being happy to work with each other and play with each other is a huge thing because we've seen we've seen players and teams kind of fall apart due to just quote-unquote issues right and we've just talked about fisher fisher a great player and they were even winning on gladiators i mean he even beat london in in that very classic match that we remember seeing uh fisher's i think debut official with gladiators so functionally it looks like it's okay but if the guy doesn't want to play on the team for x or y reasons like you can't really force him at the end of the day and you know team issues end up tanking your success even if you have good players so i don't uh, discount intangibles even though they're hard to measure yeah it's a complex question because it, it at the end of the day it just comes down to like what value what like value a player brings to the table mm that is measurable i would have to say that uh makes them irreplaceable that makes them or at least very difficult to replace in terms of you can't get another player that can do this mm. and in that kind of essence of irreplaceability is the thing that again hopefully uh, i'm answering or i'm trying to translate jr's question here um is the thing that separates them from this this good team umbrella that a lot of players kind of um maybe narratively speaking kind of hide under where it's just good team thus must mean good player right it's not always that clear you know these guys have, have pointed out you know there are some values you know whether it being 
you know, strong, you know, individual hero picks or like Avril said, being a, a leader maybe in your team or a vocal member or somebody who can really um, mend fences, let's say, you know, some, they bring something intangible to the table that makes them uh, irreplaceable and kind of escapes them from that uh, black hole, let's say. Um, do we want to do one more before we skedaddle or do we want to call it here? We can do one more. Right. One quick one. One quick Go on. Go on. Uh, <laughs> Avril, I think you'll care. For, I think you'll like this one as the resident uh, PVE god. Uh, Picasso <sighs> asks. Here we go. Uh, if Overwatch 2 has PvP talents slash perks like HOTS and Dota, would that lead to more strategic depth or complicate an already deep game? Get off the fence. Those two things are not mutually exclusive, just so we're clear. You can both can be true at the same time. You can both complicate the game and also have more strategic depth. In fact, the more complicated a game is, usually the more strategic depth there is, even if it's... I mean, there are diminishing returns at some stage where it gets so complex that it's just, like, it's tedious to play. Mm. In which case, like, yeah, like, the, the strategic depth, the skill ceiling of the strategic depth is so high, but no one can be bothered playing because it's just too tedious. Um... So, was that I can't remember. Is it, was that an either or question? Like, what was? What do I prefer, or what? Uh, he just writes: If Overwatch Two has PvP talent slash perks, using examples like here's the Storm or uh, Dota, is it? Is it, uh, is, is it more strategic, or is it just more complicated? Correct. Is yeah. that? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Am I am I cheating if I say both? Like, I think it would be both, wouldn't it? Because sure. I, the, the less barrier uh, for a viewer to watch the game, I think generally the better. Mm. Like, at the end of the day, the most viewable sports, uh, like sports like, you know, football, when I say football, I'm talking about like soccer here for the Americans, mm. but football mm. where, yeah, you 11 players per side, kickball into goal, done. Like, you're not working with talents and oh, but this guy, you know, okay, the goalie can pick up the ball, but aside from that, everyone does the same thing. I mean, you if you want to get more detailed about it, you can do people with different roles, but there's no, like, there's no, you know, this this dude here, there, but the strikers are different, is a different ultimate, and the goalkeeper's ultimate is this. It's like, no, we don't deal with any of that, you know? Like, mm. at the end of the day, the the less complex aspects there are in a game, the more viewable it is for everybody, even the people familiar with the game. Sure. Like it's less of a chore to watch because you have there's less for you to keep up with and having to focus on. Like, yeah, I mean if, if, that that is even a better viewing experience, even for people that are hardcore viewers. Um, you can have strategic depth in ways in ways that doesn't necessarily require your game to be super crunchy, if that makes sense. Like, mm. let's talk about soccer again, football again. Like, there's lots of strategic depth in there. And when you want to really break down what people's positions are and what a midfield is supposed to do, and then how they work with their, you know, strikers and blah, 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 and this guy and that guy in that position and where they're supposed to be, like, you can get pretty in depth. Uh, mm. So, I, I, I don't necessarily think you need like mega crunchy stuff in your rule set or like the gameplay mechanics create a lot of depth i think that just like you know again there's diminishing returns you get to a point where it just gets tedious instead of being instead of it being interesting mm. um like if the game 
if Overwatch was a game that wasn't that didn't have any MOBA elements and it didn't have any abilities, uh, and okay, maybe people still do what they do in terms of like, yes, you still shoot the gun that you have and you have different classes and stuff like that, but we're not talking about like ultimates, we're not talking about like cooldowns and stuff anymore. That would still be a strategically deep game. You've removed a shitload of the complexity from the game, and it would still, in my mind, be a super strategically in-depth game. Why? Because that what I've described is literally Team Fortress 2. And as someone that had extensive competitive experience in Team Fortress 2, I can tell you that a game like that that doesn't have to work with any cooldowns, no ultimates outside of like the medic Uber, um, there was a shitload of strategic depth. And there's a lot more homogeny in what the characters did because there was only nine classes mm. and what only four of them actually even got played at a competitive level so only four out of nine classes ever even got played so there's a lot of homogeny in in just how everything interacts and it's the exact same mirror on the other side so you're playing only mirror matches with only four characters out of a nine character roster so you're doing a lot of the same stuff at the end of the day mm. and yet there's a shitload of strategic depth if you really dive into it because of how you're supposed to position, how you're supposed to move around the map, and how you're supposed to be controlling everything in, you know, the different resources that exist in terms of health pack, ammo, high ground, like all of these things still exist, you know. So uh, I, I'm I'm not a big fan of adding like a shitload of crunchiness just to have it there. All right. I guess just selfishly. Would you like to see Overwatch 2 have, like, some sort of added, like, depth element? Like, if they added perks, was that something that you personally would kind of enjoy? Not for PvP. Okay. I don't think, I don't think it would be good. I don't think it's, like, who does that serve? Like, who, who asked? Like, not who, who asked being, like, what, what player, what player actually does want that? Right. Um, I think, I think people maybe like the idea. Someone, someone listening would be like, oh, me, I did. But it's like, I think you like the idea of it more than what the functional reality of that actually means um because it's just more it's just more again tedium it's more tedious thing that you have to think and worry about instead of just being able to play the game you know i just, i don't mm. see that being a big win i see that as just being like it just that that's me drags the game down and makes it worse for pretty much everybody because even the people that want it I don't think you really do want it. Maybe some people do legitimately want it. And they just want a super crunchy game and you just, I, I want to be playing Civilization 7 in my Overwatch 2. It's like, well, I, I think you're just playing the wrong game now, you know? Mm. Makes sense. Yiska, any, uh, any takes on perks and PvP? I don't know. Like, I, the, the topic of customization in, in like PvP games of things that you decide pre-game, like for instance the skill tree in League or um, let's say weapon loadouts in Warzone, whatever, the vast majority of people will interact with going to a website, copy-pasting whatever is flavor of the month and will never really interact with the individual aspects. If there was an organic way where... Like, we talked about it, for instance, in Tarkov, right? Like, mm. in Tarkov, you find a new attachment to the weapon, and then you try it out, and you have, a, have an experience what it's like to play with that. And there's exploration there. I don't think the vast majority of people uh, interact with it that way. Selfishly, I would say, okay, that would be kind of dope, because, I mean, that's a search engine optimization term. Like, I can write articles and put food on my table while writing, like, best Cassidy setup, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, like this, yeah, it's 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 not really anything that usually provides depth. Um, and most of the time, they're not meaningful enough to really feel the difference. Also, sometimes I'm I can't be arsed to like adjust my gear slash um skill tree to the dif- different situations. And I think there's very few people who want to actively think about this in the first place and have like a an, mm-hmm. an internal monologue about the uh, benefits. It's it's very weird. So even internally, right? So for instance, okay, let me let me give you this example, right? Mm-hmm. I can watch this StarCraft Pro Player uh, replay and I mm-hmm. will look at the Zergs and they're macroing perfectly. They're always hovering sub 200 minerals and whatnot, right? If I play that with my macro, I probably will have way more minerals at certain points in the game. So it would mm-hmm. be opportune for me to make a ma- macro hatch. Well, I'm not playing the macro hatch. Why? Because that would be like playing suboptimally and in terms of like away from perfect play. Now I'm thinking mm-hmm. about this in terms of perks just the same. I could pick perks that make myself play better in that moment because I lack a certain skill set. I'd much rather just like hone the skill set that pro players have on me and then use whatever skill tree they choose in order to get the edge. I, I'd rather like improve myself and play maximally optimal than mm. adjusting to my own shortcomings and like uh, sort of confessing to myself that I suck. Mm. Just to kind of add uh, to, to both your points, you know, there's, um, you know, in a, a circle of friends outside of esports that, uh, you know, occasionally plays League of Legends, you know, pretty casually and some ARAMs and stuff. The amount of times people not only, you know, come back to the game or are actively still playing the game and do not interact with any of the runes and masteries whatsoever and just use blitz to auto complete it for them. Yep. Um is 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 one hundred percent. I don't know a, a single person yes. in just that small circle that doesn't utilize that tool to completely remove that aspect. Um yep. yeah, it's it, it is uh not for everybody. Um, and, uh, yes, guy, I take offense to you not, uh, winning all the games you possibly can. You absolute try hard. I, w- I will um, say, okay, here's a weird, here's a weird thing though. Okay. Me installing blitz and having the, what feels like optimal, uh, build, even though it isn't for me in my skill set, mm-hmm. but feels kind of nice, even though it's fire and forget, like having that idea of like having a little competitive advantage over scrubs who don't install that shit. Kind of feels nice, I think. Gives you a little confidence. Yeah, maybe. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully, this confidence, you know, pep talk uh, inspires you to possibly ask your own question. Um, if you'd like to, you can head on over to patreon.com slash tactical crouch. Um, any patron tier can ask a question. Just uh, let us know. Shoot a question over Discord. You can add us on Twitter, whatever works. And uh, we'll, we'll add you edge to the list shout out on the show obviously we're still working through the list so if your question has not been answered don't worry we will get to it um in a future episode so back to you all right weather's looking good out there and um that's just six o'clock news done and dusted for the week
as uh, next week we will come back to some I guess we talk about roster moves next week when hopefully more roster moves actually come on through yeah I know uh, the whole links of rumor and, and stuff like that and uh, you know there's the old big shoe thing and Dante potentially confirming Jake's position as well we'll talk about all that and more next week when <laughs> When this time, really, for an entire week, there probably won't be any major news. Uh, unless, uh, should I bring up the unless, tweet? Uh, unless, oh, oh. unless, unless some sure. Overwatch 2 comes up, but you know, Yusuke doesn't like talking about Overwatch 2 anyway, so it's not like True. we're going to cover it. The foreshadowing. Um, well, no, who knows? When I say this, sometimes things actually turn up. But, uh, April. yeah, actually, something great talk about Microsoft. We, we nailed as we hashed out as much Microsoft talk as we could handle. Um, and I think we basically covered it all. Like, there's nothing really more to talk about as far as Microsoft goes. We've all dropped our takes in there. Uh, and overall, it's a big wait and see game. It's a long wait and see game because we've been waiting over a year really to see the long term effects. Uh, but hope it all turns out well. Thank you again for tuning in this week. Two ten and done and dusted. We'll see you next week for two eleven. Peace out. <laughs>